Welcome to Relationship Church Bible Class or RCBC, as I put in my notes whenever um, Bible class is going on. I have the distinct pleasure of bringing forth a lesson on this evening, and we're picking back up in Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 37. Ryan told me to go as far um, as I felt led, and I only felt led to go as far as verse 42. <laughs> so um, I pray that I've got enough information to carry us for the hour or that I'm able to go through it quick enough that uh, we're done within the hour and I'm not leaving uh, anything out. We we'll ask if everyone would go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 37. get there and I'm reading in the New King James version and it states now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him suddenly a man from the multitude cried out saying teacher I implore you look on my son for he is my only child and behold a spirit seizes him and suddenly, or I should say, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. Now, just as a reminder, Jesus and uh, Peter, James and John had just come down from the mountain where he was transfigured. Ryan ended off last week uh, with that information. So just to give a bit of context, they just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, this boy was tormented by an evil spirit. As it says, when, whenever it sees him, he will cry out. He will convulse, foam at the mouth, and he'd be all bruised up and messed up when the spirit would uh, leave him. And when you look at the, the words here, or I should say when you go in and, and search the scripture a bit more so to see what the original writer's thought was by looking at the words that he used in the Greek, it says that this, this seizing of him was like grabbing hold of him. It was like catching someone and keeping them against their will. Uh, we know that in Portland, there were some things or have been some things that have gone on where some police officers have seized some people against their will and, and uh, put them in different places. This is the kind of seizure that this specific scripture is talking about. And again, whenever it happened, he would scream. That's important. And it'll, uh, it'll be even more important as we continue to go on and view this in uh it's different versions, it's different vantage points. It put him into convulsions like an epileptic, and it would tear him. Uh, rarely, it leaves him alone, and I mean, it's just always bothering him, the spirit is. And it's literally destroying him. It's talking about it's bruising him. We'll see it's doing some other things later again as we look at this through some different vantage, different vantage points. But yeah, th this spirit was a foul spirit it was a no good spirit and it really put the young man through uh, so much so his his father was coming to jesus to ask him to free love it. all right so in verse 40 it says so i implored your disciples to cast it out but they could not this is a really really important portion of this historical account the man came first to the disciples. We know that three of them were with Jesus on the mountain, but that left nine. And of the nine, they could not cast this demon out of the boy. Now, if you go back to verse one of chapter 40, it says, just kicking everything off, then he called his 12 disciples together 
and gave them power and authority over all demons. Not big ones, or I should say, you know, little ones, not just imps, but all demons. He gave them power and authority over them and to cure diseases. So how is it that if they have the authority over all demons that out of nine of them, even together, because we know as the scripture says, one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand to flight. How is it that all nine of them together couldn't get this one demon to go out of the boy? And even among them of that nine, you got Judas that was among them. And he was also given power to do this, which is a really important uh, thing to keep in mind. Just because you can do the miraculous, so you see people doing the miraculous, it doesn't mean that you're heaven bound. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 says that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift from God, not by works, lest any man boast. So just because you're doing the things of God, just because God is giving you the power uh, to do certain things and, and to cast demons out, that doesn't mean that you're saved. That doesn't mean that you're in right relationship and fellowship with God. Again, the, these men, they were living with Jesus and they were waiting for him to come down. They have been given the power over all demons, yet they couldn't cast a demon out of this boy. All right, verse 41 says, Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless, perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. The fact that they were equipped may have led to his displeasure with them here. You know, it's like, dude, I, I mean, I gave you power over everything. Why is it that you're not able to do this? Why could they not drive this one demon out? Jesus said that they were unbelieving. So this is this is a great uh, portion of the reason why they could not do it, though. They had the power. They didn't believe they, they were faithless. They did not believe. Now, I'm going to go to uh, Bible. Uh, Brian has equipped all of us and, and educated us regarding it. So I want to share with you all uh, something. And the Lord just put it on my heart as I was uh, as I was going through and studying yesterday to do this and man i found something i was like "Woo! i like this i like it a lot it really helps with um with understanding the word so i'm just gonna share with you really quickly all right so as he shared with us that when you see this greek button you can click it and get to the greek version of what was being meant was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So, in looking at the text itself, when you go through and you're looking at the word unbelief, specifically, you go pull it up in the Strong's uh, Concordance. It gives you more of the information as far as uh, how they were, he was unbelieving. And you got Strong's Concordance here that says it's unbelieving, incredulous, unchristian even. So they're they're following Christ literally and figuratively, yet their lack of belief causes them to, to be unchristian. Sometimes unbeliever. Now the helps word study, that's really why I brought everyone here. Man, it's got the right name, boy. Helps. Because it really helped me with understanding and seeing things in a much clearer way. Uh, apistos is uh, the word for unbeliever here. It says, does not always refer to the unconverted. It describes one who rejects or refuses God's inbirthing at the root. Um, they weren't fully persuaded or not faithful. They were unpersuaded. 
They weren't convinced or persuaded by God. This is the reason why, or this is, yeah, this is a great reason why they could not drive out the demon. It was because of the fact that they were not persuaded. They, even though Jesus gave them the power that they could actually do the things that he said to do. They weren't fully persuaded by him. They weren't faithful. They were unpersuaded. So I just wanted to share that with you all. Um, encourage you to use Bible Hub because, man, it, it really does open up some things for you. But anyway, um, as I go back to our regularly scheduled uh, program, let me get my notes back up here. Okay, so I, I did that as well for uh, perverse because he called them a, a faithless or unbelieving and a perverse generation. Uh, when you look at the word perverse, it's distorted, it's twisted, it's perverted, it's the opposite shape from what it's supposed to be. So they're supposed to be these men of a mighty God using the power that God has given them through Jesus over all demons. But they're the opposite form of what they should be. That, that's what this, this perverse generation is, is speaking to. Then he, he goes on a little further. How long do I need to put up with you all? How long uh, do I need to bear with you? How long do I need to prop you all up and, and keep you in a place where you can do things even though I've already given you everything you need to do to do? You know, how, how long do I have to keep saying, come on, come on, sing. I know I know you're scared, but 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 come on, sing. I gave you the, the power to do it. And you see how how I move when you do it. Come on, you know, go, go on, go, go tell somebody, you know, you need to be sharing the things that I've given you. Ryan was talking about that on Sunday, how we can be spiritually obese because we're just taking in, taking in, taking in, taking in. That was, I was this Sunday, last Sunday. I forget, but we're just taking in, taking in, taking in, taking in and never putting out. Are we putting out the things that he said to do? How long does he need to prop us up to get us to do the things that he's already equipped us to do? All right, let, let's continue. Verse 42 and 43. So we'll close out this um, this chapter. And then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 17 and read the account there. But verses 42 and 43 says, and as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child and gave him back to his father. So on his way to deliverance, as the father was bringing the boy to Jesus so that he could be delivered, as the father was doing what Jesus said, Jesus said, bring him here. He was bringing him here. The demon start messing with him, tore him, threw him down while he was getting ready to be free. The one thing I want us to kind of pay attention to here is what the Bible says that Jesus did. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. So told it you're wrong. Told it get out of here. So he set him free of the unclean spirit and it healed him. So he not only set him free, but he healed him. As we read earlier, the, the boy would be bruised by the, the demon and how it tore him and throwing him to the ground and different things of that nature. So not only did he set him free, but he healed him and he restored him as well. And then he gave him back to his father. Now, sometimes we ask God to free us and we need to be free. But then there's also some healing that needs to take place in our lives as well. So we, we need to kind of pay attention to that. That's why you see so many wounded and broken and hurt people within the church. They've been set free. 
from their sins. They've been set free from the bonds, but they're hurt because of the things that they went through while the enemy had them there. They're hurt because as they were on their way to getting to where God wanted them to be, getting to the point of freedom, they, they had some nicks and scrapes and bumps and bruises and, and, and brokenness that has not been healed. So again, as we are going through and, and seeking God and becoming mature, and we see our brothers and sisters coming to the master to be free and they, they they get their scrapes and their bumps and their nicks and things let us pray that the lord will also speak healing to us and to them all right so let's go look at this from the perspective of matthew matthew chapter 17 and we're gonna start with verse 15 Matthew chapter 17, verse 15. And I'm just going to ask real quick. Would it make it any easier if I put this up on the, the uh, screen, if I shared that portion uh, for y'all to read? Or, or is everyone good uh, reading with whatever it is that they have to read with currently? Now, wait a moment for some folks to chat in. I was sharing with someone last night i was sharing with the uh i think okay uh tiffany says she's good and if nobody else says anything we're gonna let her speak for uh for everyone but okay someone else said that they're good so in the mouth of two or three is something established we got two goods um i don't see anybody else saying anything so we're going to keep things rolling um I'm really, really glad for how Ryan has approached this study and how he has encouraged us to approach the study of the Gospels. Man, well, you, you and you'll see as we continue to go and, and read a bit more, seeing it from the different perspectives really helps with with giving a full view of what happened. Everyone has their own tendencies as humans. And there are things that stand out more so to one person than to another person. So it's good to uh, have these different views of things. All right. Now, I said uh, verse 15. We're going to uh, start with verse 14. My notes were incorrect. So starting with verse 14, where it says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down to him and saying lord have mercy on my son for he is an epileptic and suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water so again we're getting a much clearer picture of things singing now from matthew's perspective luke said that the man came to him Matthew said he came and kneeled before him, went prostrate before the Lord. Luke was talking about the fact that, you know, he would tear him. The spirit would tear him and throw him down. Now we're seeing that, you know, even though Matthew said, I'm not Matthew. Luke said that it would seize him and cause him to have convulsions. This one is saying, OK, it, it's it's like an epileptic fit. And not only is it bruising him this is why it's bruising him it's throwing him into the fire it's throwing him into the water it's trying to kill this young man so again we're getting a clearer picture of it he's foaming at the mouth got a lot of different things going on the ultimate goal of any demonic force that we encounter is to kill us Many of the ones that we deal with are, are kind of stealthy. It's just like, yeah, you know, just give you a little bit of this or a little bit of that. You know, it's a slow, gradual thing. And it may even start off seemingly innocent, helpfully, like the snake in the garden. You know, oh, uh, you can't do what? Are you sure? Did he say that? No, 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 that can't be. He's just trying to keep you from, from being everything uh, that you can be, trying to keep you from having your best life. Wrong. But this is how the enemy works. Generally, it's not as um, blatant 
as this specific sin is or i shouldn't say sin but this specific demon is but as things go on it progresses and then it, it does become that blatant i don't know if this was a sudden thing or not the bible really doesn't say uh, but it's a great reminder that the ultimate goal of the enemy of your soul is to kill you yes what he's providing may be luxurious it may be appealing it may taste delicious uh, but my uh my my father uh dr levi r king often would tell us that rat poison contains 97 percent of things that will bring the rat it's it's nourishment that will uplift and and um and provide the rat with what it needs it's that three percent that kills it that three percent of cyanide so it may be a whole lot of good stuff in it but it has that little bit of something that's enough to take you out all right let's continue to read so i brought him to your disciples this is verse 16 but they could not cure him then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief for i assuredly say to you if you have faith as a mustard seed you will say to the mountain move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you they wanted to know why couldn't we do it and they came to him privately to find out why couldn't we do it? they didn't do it in public they waited a while and, and, and came to him and was like, hey, you know, what, what, what was wrong here? He said it was due to their unbelief. Back to what we saw in Luke. They didn't believe because they weren't persuaded by God. Then he goes on to tell them what they could do if they believed. If they believed, if they just had the smallest, smallest piece of faith. And not just small, but pure in faith. The mustard seed is one of the most pure seeds that there is. Um, you know, it, it is small, but then again, most seeds are. But its purity is a great reason why he used that specific um, ideology, that, that picture, that mental picture for them. But if they had that kind of faith, that purity of faith, they could move mountains, say, get up from here and go to there and nothing Nothing, not one thing would be impossible to them if they had faith. What things can we do if we allow ourselves to be persuaded by God? If we're truly believing what his word says about us? Those who serve Satan believe. They even believe even though it's a lie. They sell out and do whatever things the enemy says just for the opportunity to receive what they desire. Now, I told you all, my, my father and, and uh, I grew up, I told people I, I had two and a half fathers growing up. Uh, Dr. Levi R. King, Reginald Dixon, and then my, my uh, birth father, my natural father, uh, Anthony Arshako. Now, as time went on and some things happened, I gave him this full fatherhood. So I had three fathers uh, that shaped my life growing up. My natural father, though, uh, he was off into some crazy stuff. And I've, I've shared those things with you all in the past. Um, but just going about or talking about doing the things of Satan and, and the hope and, and, and desire to have them come about. He... He uh, put a spell on my mother at one point. My mother had uh, a really bad flare-up with eczema. And I believe we were at Lively Stone. We were. She went up for prayer, and someone told her, it was like, 
okay, this is more than just your, your eczema from, from being a little girl and having it real bad. This is of a demonic source. Came to find out that my father um, had, had asked demons and things to mess with her because she gets so hot and, and, and bothered with it and, and itch so bad. And we didn't have air conditioning in the house uh, growing up. So sometimes when it got too bad, we would go stay over there with him, which gave him an opportunity to uh, be around and, and try to work his way back into our lives. He believed that that could bring about what he wanted. Where is our faith? Where is our faith? Where is our belief that God will do the things that he said? All right, verse 21 says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Ryan uh, helped us with saying that, and it, it doesn't show it here, at least not in the electronic version that I have, but in the Bible that you have, you probably see fasting. If you have a, a paper Bible, fasting is more than likely in italics. Anytime you see something in italics in the Bible, those are things that have been added uh, by others to try to help gain better meaning for it. But it was not in the original um, scripture. So he said this doesn't go out by any other way except for praying to be persuaded by someone and to have the utmost confidence you got to spend some time with them you have to experience them in the good times and the bad times to know whether or not you can trust them that's actually when you know you can trust someone is when everything hits the fan and, and all falls down you got to see them in action though the disciples lived with him naturally they needed to commune with him on a spiritual level, commune with God through prayer. That is the way that they needed to do it. But because they were not praying, they were just kind of getting by on the skills and the abilities and things that they had. When things got really, really rough, they didn't have what they needed. The old saints would say, little power, little prayer. Uh, much or should I said it backwards little prayer little power much prayer much power we have access to the authority that God has given us remember in verse 1 of Luke 9 he gave him authority over all the demons but they couldn't access that authority because they weren't spending time with him yes God has given us the ability to do some remarkable things in order to accomplish them though we have to spend time with him and in his presence. We have to seek his face. We have to stay connected to the source. Right now, I think my uh, my internet just blipped a bit. So I don't know if you all can hear me or not right now. Um, let's see. I see a chat here. Okay. Uh, iPhone said they were good too. Great. So not quite sure what's going on, but in order for you all to hear and see me, I've got to be connected to the Internet. Likewise, in order for us to move and do the things that God says to do, we must stay connected to him. The Bible talks about or uh, Jesus says uh, in the Bible that uh, uh, we are the branches and he, and he is the, uh, the vine. That vine, when you're talking about olives, is a, it's a tree. It's an olive tree. It's not like uh, a grape vineyard or something like that. It's a tree. And the vines are like, they'll have three different branches that will come out. These huge, thick branches, and then everything comes off of that. That huge, thick branch is what's called uh, the vine. And in order for the branches um, to, to start growing or to grow at all, they got to be attached to that vine they have to be attached to that main source you cut it off and, and do something with that branch it's not going to grow it's got to stay connected likewise we have to stay connected to the source all right let us go to mark now which is the last um last book that we will go to to view or i should say to see what his perspective is on things mark chapter 9 
And we'll start with verse 14. So Mark 9 and 14 says, And he came to the disciples. He saw, hold on, let's do this again. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. So, okay, here we go. We got a, another perspective on things. We knew that there was a crowd there. We knew that Jesus and Peter, James, and John had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. What we didn't know is that all the people that were there, that were gathered, they were there because they had been talking to the disciples. They were arguing with the disciples. That's the reason that that great multitude was there. Again, another great perspective. And it's good to get different perspectives of the same thing because we all have our blind spots. So it, it, this, is, this is great. Again, not only were there a multitude of people there, but it says that the scribes, the religious folks were there. And not only were they there, they're arguing. They're, they're talking back and forth and, and trying to figure stuff out. Now we could see why Jesus would be so upset. You got all this power, but you're arguing with these religious folks. You're making me look bad. You are supposed to be my people, you know, my, my, uh, my disciples, the ones that I've given power to, the ones that, that sit at my feet and that learn. And you're up here arguing with the scribes. All right, verse 15 says, Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. Let me just stop right there. When Jesus shows up on the scene, things change. When Jesus came and, and when he shows himself, even if he's not doing anything spectacular, he's just walking, puts everybody in awe. My goodness. When Jesus shows up, boy, you, you know it and, and things change. All right. Verse 16. Y'all have to forgive me. That was, that was good uh, to me right there. But anyway, verse 16. And he asked the scribes. So Jesus is talking to the scribes and asking them, what are y'all discussing with, with my boys? Well, what are y'all talking about? Then one of the crowd answered him and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit so he's trying to find out okay what are you all talking about and then the father says look they're talking about the fact that I, I came here with my boy I came here so that you could heal my boy that you could cast out the demons or the demon that was in my boy all the folks were there and they were talking and it was all about the boy all of the commotion that was going on, the, the disputing and the arguing and the discussion that was going on was due to the disciples' inability to carry out what God had given them the power to do. That's what this was all about. Why, why, why are you all here? What, what's going on? You know, why are these religious people talking to my boys? Oh, because they dropped the ball because of their lack of faith. All right, verse 18, before I go there, um, let's see. Yeah, well, j just another aspect of things. We knew that the boy had seizure-like episodes. Then in uh, Matthew, we see that it was somewhat, or it was like an epileptic fit. Now we're finding that he also is mute. He can't speak. Yet another uh, something that's being uncovered by checking it from a different aspect. Now, just want to stop for a moment and, and say this. It is so very important, so very important that we are in tune with God. This child was not just mute, you know, just, just couldn't talk, just wasn't you know, per se epileptic. These are all things that we can see as physical maladies. Yes, he had a, a, epileptic seizures. He wasn't on the autism spectrum. But 
it wasn't his chemistry that was causing all these different issues. It was a demon. Especially today with all the access that we have to medicine and all the diagnosis that we know off the top of our head. We need to have his spirit working in our lives so that we know how to pray. We know whether to pray, Lord, heal or Satan loose here and, and let the child go. You got to be in tune with God in order to know how to pray in order to be in tune with him. You have to spend time in prayer. All right. Verse 18. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now, we again, we're getting more information, yet another perspective. Not only is it being th the child being thrown into the water, thrown into the fire, thrown to the ground. He's becoming rigid, stiff like a board, and he's gnashing his teeth, he's grinding his teeth. And whenever you see this term, gnashing of teeth, in the Bible, excuse me, it's dealing with intense suffering. Normally, it's related to people who either are in hell or um, in a, in a hell-like situation, like through parables and things. Talked about the, the five wise, or I should say the five foolish virgins who did not have enough oil and the door was shut and they were, there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whenever you see that, that's intense pain. So this young man was really, really going through with this specific um, demonic attack. All right. Uh, we'll continue reading. And he answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And he, I'm sorry, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell to the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth all right we're in uh this is mark i'm not seeing what i saw before hold on just a moment um okay so that that's what was going on with the boy i'm sorry my notes are not matching up with everything let's continue reading so his father asked or I should say, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from his childhood. So we see that uh, the this has been going on for a while. It, is the boy a child? Yes, but it's not a itty bitty little baby. This has been going on for a while for him. They had a whole conversation about things. Uh, the father continues to say as we go on in verse 22, often he has thrown him both in the fire and into the water. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. So the father's telling him about everything that's happening before uh, the attacks. And, uh, you know, really just saying, look, it's trying to kill him. He was a mute. Remember, this was a mute spirit. However, if we remember back in Luke, it says that whenever it sees him, he will cry out. So he didn't say or talk or do anything before. But when the spirit got a hold of him, then he would say something. The spirit caused the boy to start doing a, a, a whole bunch of, of other stuff. As soon as he saw him, said that it, it seized him and, and threw him to the ground generally whenever we see jesus encountering and dealing with uh demonic spirits they start saying stuff so like the boy the boy was mute sees him start screaming doing different stuff start saying stuff the spirit may say oh you know you are the christ speaking things that are true but even the truth when it comes from the wrong source is is a lie it's not good jesus would often tell them be quiet why because even though they're speaking the truth just like in today's uh day and age 
you'll hear people say some things that are right and then they'll come back behind it with a whole bunch of wrong stuff and you're starting to give credence to the whole thing when the first part wasn't right that's why a lot of times people say shut up and get out of here you know the, the demons would also cry out and say hey you know it's not your time to torment me uh, uh, send me into the, the send me into something else. You know, do do something. Whenever it was time for them to go, they start talking to Jesus and, and trying to find another way out. So in this case, what does the demon do? The demon throws the boy down on the ground again to torment him. What was the ultimate goal? Or I should say, we talked about what the ultimate goal of the enemy is ultimate goal of the enemy is to kill us so as soon as he saw him and as soon as he saw that things were getting ready to change it seemed like it was a hail mary just throwing up the last one to see if it was possible to do what his ultimate goal was which is to take the boy out now we're spending an hour talking about this boy you know we think okay well why is he trying to kill the boy i mean obviously that's a uh, the assignment that he has but what is it about this boy in this specific situation that the enemy would try so hard to take him out well for the past 40 minutes or so we've been talking about this specific account if the enemy were able to take the boy out then how could he be delivered of the demon and even if he even if that happened and he, he was resurrected it's like okay well yeah he, he's resurrected but the demon kind of got you know part of it by killing him we've not seen and thank god that we haven't you know we see the little stuff on tv the, the zombie stuff but we don't see uh demons taking hold of dead things thank god because that would be a horrible horrible situation but he was doing his best to take the boy out so that he could not be delivered trying to keep jesus from being able to get the glory again jesus had a whole conversation with uh with this man and leading up to things which we did not get all of that information from the previous readings um let's let's go on verse 23 got about 10 minutes left says uh, jesus said to him if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears lord i believe help my unbelief how is it possible to believe yet not believe we we go through that we hear things we believe god but do we have the faith that he will actually do it this was the issue with the disciples they believed that they could cast out demons and they even came back to him after doing so it was like wait man look we, we we cast out these demons and and you know they they obeyed us and things and he told us like yeah that that's good you know it's good that that happened but don't be happy that you cast out demons be happy that your name is written in the lamb's book of life this man was honest and was like, I believe that you can do it. I brought my child to where you were, found you so that he could be free. So it, this shows my level of belief. But there, there's still a bit of me that that lacks a bit of faith. Help me with my faith. That, that's what the disciples should have been saying. Lord, I, I believe, but help because, you know, sometimes I, I'm not quite sure of myself. We have to be honest in our walk with God. The Lord knows. He knows everything. And he also said that if we ask anything in his name, that, that he will give those things to us, that no good thing will he withhold from us. All right. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit. OK, pause. Deaf and dumb. First, it was just a mute spirit. It was a dumb spirit. But now Jesus is, is giving us even more information here. I should say Mark is giving us even more information as to what was going on. It was a deaf and a dumb spirit. So deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Jesus starts moving. 
then what happens? Here come the spectators. Here come the looky-loos. And a lot of times within and around the things of God, you have people who have a knowledge of God. You know, the the, the scribes were there. So you you they're religious and you know they may not be where they need to be in God, but they, they just want to see what, what's gonna happen. Just here for the show. We can't be like that. Don't let us not be counted among those who were just there spectating, having a knowledge of God, but denying the power thereof. Luke said that he was delivered and healed. We know that he was thrown to the ground, but this one says that after he uh, commanded, or I should say Mark says in his account, that after the spirit was commanded out, that he was told, and you can't come back. You cannot come back. Not only was he uh, delivered of that, not only was that demon cast out, but it had the command not to come back. Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26 tells us that when the spirit is put out and things are, are swept clean and, and kept up, that it may try to come back with seven stronger than the one that was cast out. But this spirit could not come back because Jesus told it that it could. All right, verse 26. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And because, or I should say, and he became as one dead, so that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. The ordeal of deliverance for this boy and the enemy tried so hard to accomplish his goal that it looked like he did what he wanted to do in killing him. Even when it looks like the enemy is one. That doesn't matter. What we see and what is our current reality does not negate the word of God. God, Jesus told the spirit to come out of him and enter him no more. We already talked about spirits being in, in, in dead things that, that we don't see that. So if the spirit is coming out and can't go back into him, that means he can't be dead. That means he has to be alive, even though he looks like he's dead. He's not dead. Why? Because of what God said, because of the promises that he gave, because of the commands that he issued. All right. Jesus got the glory. And he continues to get the glory. A lot of times when he's getting the glory, it's in those difficult situations. It's in those those things where it's it's a but God kind of thing. All this is going on, but God. So keep that in mind as you go through the different things that you go through and that you're faced with in life. You know, when it just seems like everything is against you and there's absolutely, mm, glory to your name, God, there's absolutely positively no way this thing will work out. Remember what God has seen. These are the kinds of situations where he shows himself strong, where he really lets you know who he is. It's just another opportunity for him to do that when we're in between a rock and a hard place, when we face the Red Sea and Pharaoh's behind us. He'll open up the Red Sea and cause us to walk through on dry land, then use the, the very thing he created to deliver us to take our enemies out. All right, uh, only about five minutes left and got a couple verses. So let us finish things out. Verse 28 and 29. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So again, we got a little more information we saw in Matthew's account that they did it privately. They're saying, okay, look, we're there, they're at the house now. You know, service is over. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's time to eat. Instead of going out to eat, because they really didn't have restaurants, you went over somebody's house. So, they were at the house eating, and that's where the disciples asked him, hey, 
what's going on? Why couldn't we do it? They had to have faith. And that faith is built in prayer. When God answers your prayers, just think about it. You prayed about something, the Lord answers your prayer, or he gives you a word, and then you see it comes to pass. You're like, man, woo! Man, look at what the Lord did. He told me this, and then look at what happened. It strengthens your faith. This is how we move from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need to pray to hear from him, get his word, and then take that word to the word. Take that word to his word. Says that he is his word. So take his word to him. Make sure that it's him talking and it's not your flesh or it's not the enemy. A lot of times we'll hear things and because it appeals to our flesh, it, it feels good, it sounds good, it just seems right. Something in you tells you it's right. You think it's God, but it's not. It can be you and or the, the enemy. So make sure that whatever is being said lines up with his word. Because if it's not in his word, then you can rest assured that that's not him. Another reason that you need to pray and to study his word is that you could even find some things about it in the word. The enemy knows the word of God. He used that word to try to get Jesus to cast himself down off the uh, the temple. But Jesus was able to rightly divide the word. If he didn't, he would have been taken out before he could even get started. Again, another reason why being here on Wednesdays uh, in Bible class is important because it helps to sharpen your sword, helps you to learn the word and learn how to rightly divide it. You even learn how to use some different applications and, and tools out there that are free. All right, that is going to do it for tonight. As far as the lesson is concerned, questions. And I, I see a couple of chats, so we'll go through and uh, and read. I can hear you. Uh, you good? That's good. Amen. All right. I'm glad. Um, glad that that all that was good. I'm not quite sure what. I uh, was good at the time because I had this on the background as I was reading through uh, my notes and, and the scripture. So uh, I thank God that seems if there's some, some good things that people were able to get out of it. Any questions or any other um, any other tidbits or, or revelations that you may have gotten during the lesson that you want to share with everybody. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So your, your testimony can help. Your perspective of what we learned tonight can help with shining a light on things for someone else. Um, as we learn going through all these different scriptures on the day. All right. I am not seeing any movement. Like I tell my people at work, you know, give it a couple seconds, say something. They don't say anything. Close it out. So we're going to close out um, probably about a minute or so early, just depending on how long it takes me to finish this prayer. So let us go before the Lord again. Heavenly Father.